Hello and welcome to The Two Dyspraxics. I'm Matthew Munson. And I'm Barbara Neal. Right, so today we're going to talk about school days, and that's specifically school days for those of us who have dyspraxia and um, our experiences in general. So I think to kick off, how about your primary school days, Matthew? Can you remember your first day at school, actually? Vaguely, vaguely. Um, I, I, <laughs> the, the, only, <laughs> the only reason I can remember it, I know it sounds really daft, but my, my dad, before he retired, used to work for some for local papers. And you know how the local papers cover, uh, you know, first day at school for all the primary school kids in the area? I, can, I, I remember my dad and a photographer turning up at my school on my first day to take pictures of the of the reception classes, which included me. So my, my dad was there with this photographer taking pictures of me in the in the classroom. So and even now, what, 35 years later, I can remember that. So just because it was my dad turning up. Of course, yeah. Of course. You know, hey, do you want to show off? Here's my dad over there. Look, he's taking pictures of me. <laughs> you know. So, so yeah, I weirdly I kind of do. Do, do, do. do you remember? I remember vividly one thing that happened on my first day at school. Oh, what was that? And, uh, well, I had a best friend at the mm. time who lived near me. And um, she was, this, this is the story of my life, actually. We were put in separate classrooms from each oh, other, obviously. Oh, no. It's happened throughout my schooling, but <laughs> that's another story. But um, I decided to just leave my classroom and go and look for my friend. So um, so I remember a teacher coming to find me. I don't know whether any kind of panic ensued, but a teacher coming to find me and saying, uh, no, you mustn't go in there, you know, but you have to come back <laughs> leading me back to my own classroom and telling me I wasn't allowed to leave the, the room, which I thought was a bit weird at the time. You know, I can remember thinking, yeah. well, I was only going to see my friend. What's wrong with that? Yeah, you think that's, that's, surely that's okay. I'm allowed to at home. Yes. Yeah, so why can't I go to school and you're actually closer, probably? So I didn't get that. But I have to say that the infant school I went to, because I went to a separate infant school, the infant school was fantastic and I loved it. I loved everything I did there. Every moment of it, I think, was was pretty good. No, most moments. (laughs) One or two that weren't so brilliant. (laughs) But on the whole, it was great and I did love it there. That was Balfour Infant School in Rochester. And, um, yeah, it was really good. But something that, um, you know, as you know, we dyspraxics generally have average to above average intelligence. Mm. And um, I wasn't aware of this, so it was quite well done on their part. I was in, there were two classes to each age group, each year group rather, and um, the top class classes were class one and class two. So I believed right if you get to class one you're in the top class you know which I believed was quite an accolade and I wasn't in class one I was in class two but there were six of us who were separated and we all sat we had a table that we all sat around and um, we were regarded so I discovered from my parents but we were regarded as the six most intelligent students in the school so we were given separate things to work on from school so that was that interests me because it means it was picked up without us doing sort of any very obvious tests it was picked up that the intelligence was there and um you know but but we weren't made aware of that well I certainly wasn't you know, maybe the other five were and I wasn't <laughs> no but um 
But I liked the way that was done. I liked the fact that they picked up on um, on the mm. fact that we needed something a bit different to challenge us. So, um, but and it's, it's, funny, it's something you just said there that's actually I'm thinking about. Did you ever feel like sometimes that other people had got a memo about how to behave or what to do? Yes. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a really good way of putting it because. Yeah, you kind of well. Hang on a second. Everybody else seems to know what to do, and I don't. You know, yes. how have I missed it? Was I off sick that day when I explained how to behave and what and what to do about this? Did, did I miss that lesson somehow? Yeah, that, that really does sound um, very very familiar to me because yeah, I think very often I've, I've described myself as feeling something like an alien. <laughs> Because of my dyspraxia. You know, yes. now I know it's because of dyspraxia. At the time, of course, I didn't. But Because yeah. uh, I know for me, that's... I can, remember, I can remember, certainly in primary school, starting to get this sense that... How do I describe it? That I... Socially, I was different. Yeah. That, that I, I wasn't... That, that I struggled to fit in to yeah. normal social environments. Academically kind of like you you know I, I they didn't we didn't really stream our in our primary school I don't remember anyway but so academically I, I felt confident I went to a, a just a local primary literally a five minute walk from our front door um and I never had any problems with the academic side of things but socially somewhere along the line I'd missed something that told me how to act around other people or or the other, or the other, or the other people have missed a memo. How to act around me, because play times and lunch times were really tough. That yeah. un, that unstructured time where you could choose what to do and how to play and what to do, it just felt weird. I can't put it any more succinctly than that. But something was off. Yeah, that's that's you know? a good way I put it. Now, I always attributed that to the fact that I did go to several different junior schools. Um, oh, did you move about a bit? Um, yeah, we moved around. So I've always attributed it to that. But um, it's interesting. You went to just the one primary school, did you? Yeah, the- so, I, so I literally started at, um, uh, well, uh, how old I been? I've been five. And, yeah, I was there literally until I was 11. So right. it, it was it was it was pretty much the same group of friends. We had we had obviously when some other we had a couple of infant schools in the area. A, a few people joined us at the end of their infant time. They kind of merged with our with our school, but it wasn't very many. It was kind of pretty much a static group of kids from from age five to age eleven. Um, I don't know. I can't honestly say that benefited me per se because I still. Struggled possibly. I would have struggled even more. I think if I'd have had to have moved, had to move from an infant school to a primary school. Yeah, I, th- I think mm-hmm. um, you know. I was just thinking about the reason I moved um, to so many, went to so many different junior schools. It's because originally we lived on an estate which was a bus ride away from the infant school I went to, mm. and then I went to the junior school, Belfort Junior School, which was also a bus ride away <laughs> and then um, finally a new school which had been promised for when I was born more or less you know, <laughs> that was built so I left Balfour and went to the new school for just one term so that was 
quite um, unsettling, I think. And then after that, we moved house. So um, I went to a different junior school where I have to say that the standard was incredibly good. They were really strict. So I can't say I enjoyed that much education. It was really good. And um, that's where I got to pass the 11 plus because that was kind of expected of us. It was like that, really. And they did have a high pass rate. So it was a good school in that respect. And then we moved again because we only lived in that house for about 18 months. And then we moved again into Maidstone. And so I went to my final junior school for one term. And then um, this is why I made that crack about, you know, this is the story of my life because there were three of us in our class at the last junior school I went to who had all passed the 11 plus and were going to the same school. Mm. And so I was put into one class and they were put in together into a different oh, class. Very, you know, so I don't know anyone else in this class. And I was already, by that time, I, I, I was very, very shy. And, um, you know, and I'm quite sure, actually, having heard what you said about your experience, that, yeah, of course, dyspraxia would have been in some way responsible mm. for the fact that, that I didn't feel as though I fitted in and, um, you know, but I have always blamed the fact that I went to so many schools. So it's, it's very I, I interesting. Think, I, I think that undoubtedly didn't help. And I, I, I can honestly say, you know, my entire school career, I only ever went to three schools from the age of five to the age of 18. Right. And the last school I went to for two years was probably the worst where I didn't, I really didn't feel like I fit, fitted in. But all three, there was that element of just feeling like I was missing something. Yeah. Um, and, and, and certainly, yeah, so I think, I think when you're at primary school and you know, for the, you're socialising with a lot of other children for the first time, it's probably your first awareness, it was my first awareness of, of being slightly different socially. Yeah. Um, because you, because it, before that, when you're at home with your parents, I mean, I'm an only child. That's just normal. That's your normal life. You, yeah. you, you don't know any different. And suddenly you're confronted with, in my case, a group of kids who I would spend the next six years with, you know, day in, day out, as it were, five days a week. And suddenly you think, hang on, there's, what's, what, what am I missing? What's going on here? You know, what, what, what's this joke you're laughing at? How do you know when to speak and when not to speak? Uh, how are you doing that without interrupting each other? How are you playing nice? Will somebody tell me what's going on? Yes. <laughs> When's yeah. the lesson going to give me this information that you will know that I missed out on when I was sick one day? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And how do you know when to speak and when not to speak and whether you'll be interrupting someone? And that's something I still struggle with now. Mm. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, very much so. In a group setting, I find it really difficult. So that's never really left me. But um, but that's I mean we've you know we've had a bit of a conflab about the social aspect of school. But what about the lessons themselves? Um, I mean, I think from, I can remember for me, I think in secondary school when because because I, I, I didn't pass my eleven plus, um, I I failed by I think about three marks on my maths. Because oh. I was, I was, I was, I, I still am. I feel a bit. I'm weak on my maths, um, and so I went to a, a high school. And I think for me that was where I kind of I started to 
really start to pick up on my love of learning. Even yeah, I I loved learning at primary school, but when the lessons were differentiated, and you had a, a full hour on English, a full hour on science, on history, on geography, and it went into a lot more detail than necessarily you did when you were at primary school. Mm. I really loved that. Yeah, my school wasn't anything particularly special. It's it's since shut down. It's been demolished. The whole school has been demolished now. My secondary school, but it it was it, it academically it was making of me. I, I feel it awakened an interest in the world beyond the four walls of of the school of home. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I, I I I adored the learning at school. Well, that was pretty much the opposite. <laughs> Really? I hated the school I went to because I found everything was a struggle. Yeah, I was just struggled with everything except English. Yeah, right. English is always very much my subject. Oh, but that me. PE, the dreaded PE. Where, oh, oh. Oh, goodness me. You have to change your clothes, first of all. Yeah, and that was always an issue. And, and what, what I didn't like about that, adding into that, you had to do it in a communal setting. Yes. I, that, I was very... I was very sense of what my body looked like probably like everyone was I hated communal changing yeah me too and we had showers as well in those days oh. so that was you know this we're talking about the 1960s now it was um 1966 when I went to the tech mm. um yeah and uh it was it was really hard going because although yeah, I may have had the intelligence to get, and I still cannot understand how I got through my eleven plus because we had to write everything by hand then. Wow! You know that's such a such an issue writing by hand. So I I don't know how I managed to do it, but um, but I did. And but the problem is with that, then I had to write everything else by hand once I got to the school. So so that was really hard going. Where we used to have homework, which was supposed to be. I remember it vividly. It was supposed to be three subjects, 20 minutes each, mm. an hour of homework. No, it would take me the whole evening to do it because I had to write everything by hand. So, yeah. you know, then, For me, it was about homework. For me, it was the organisation, actually organising my homework and getting it done on time, the, the, the planning of it. I struggled with that. And also the note-taking because we would have some oh. board you know, and we had to take notes and... I wasn't in a position, I was already, you know, my self-esteem had suffered considerably because of the dyspraxia. So I was already in a situation where I didn't want to draw attention to myself. Mm. But the fact that everyone else in the class had finished taking the notes and I was about halfway through, if mm. I was lucky, I wasn't going to put my hand up, you know, if the teacher said, has everyone finished? And then start rubbing it out. Or we had those boards that they could sort of push push it up and it would go round. It oh, would yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that meant that I had to tackle homework with only some of the notes, you know, which made it doubly difficult. So it, it was just a nightmare. I really disliked everything about it except English. And I think that's because, you know, I had a, you know, it sounds like trumpet blowing. It's not really, but I did have a natural aptitude. Let's say I enjoyed English. So, therefore, I was reasonably good at it. Yeah. So. But how did you find, uh, um, there's a reason I'm asking this, how did you find uh, relationships with teachers? Did they, could, could oh. you be swayed towards liking or disliking your subject because of the the, uh, the the personality, the charisma of a teacher? Yes. Mm. 
Definitely. Um, now, we had our English teacher was actually something of a dragon. We had a few of those in our <laughs> school. Um, she was a dragon. And um, however, she was, there was something that she did that I will never forget because I left school at the first available opportunity, which was frowned on um, because I didn't take any O levels, never mind A levels. And we were expected at that school to take, to go into sixth form, take A levels, go to university. Mm. And, and I bucked the trend considerably because my parents agreed it was legal at that time to leave school at 15 the age of 15 so my parents agreed provided I could find a job so I found a job too sweet and early but my English teacher was the only teacher who wished me luck everyone else was um you know well I was a failure as far as the other teachers were concerned I think but um but she said to me no you can always take your O levels at evening classes you do realize that so I said yes you know and so I promised I would and I did. I took my English O-level at an evening class, really, because she said that to me. That's the only one I took. And well, actually, that's a, a slight digression because I didn't... No, it's not a digression. It's a lie. <laughs> because I didn't take um, the course. I just took the exam. I booked in for the exam. And so I got my English O-level. Wow. Actually, that's not a bad way of doing it. If, if, you're, but the thing is that if you're confident on the subject and you know what you're talking about, then yeah. why repeat something that you already know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. But um, it was quite funny, really, that the other subjects, I was useless at maths, so I was terrible. Oh, same here. But when you ask about um, a teacher, whether or not a teacher can influence how much you like a subject... I was, I had a natural interest in biology. I was very interested in biology. But then um, when we sort of got through the years, one of the later biology teachers was terrible to me. She was one of these teachers who was a bully. She would single somebody out in the class and make yeah. an example of them. And I had the very dubious accolade of being that one that she singled out. So that really put me off biology. And um, it's ironic, really, because since school days, I have taken a number of qualifications in different things. And one of them is an ITEC diploma in anatomy and physiology. So so I'd love Mm. to know if I'd had any kind of support for my dyspraxia when I was at, at secondary school. And if I'd had a different biology teacher or perhaps just if she'd been supportive rather than you know, singling me out, then mm. um, I wonder what would have happened because I may well have pursued something in that that kind of line. Because, um, you know, I did have an interest, but that was scuppered by the teacher's attitude, which was a real shame. And I, th- I think you can be very much influenced because that day your, your, your teacher is that sole source of information that you're going to get at that age. Yeah. And, and it, it can be made, you, you can be made or broken by that relationship yeah i think funny enough i, I always remember i, I i've always loved history i'm fascinated by history you know british history world history just just love it and i can always remember when i had i had the teacher so it was year nine so what was that sort of 13 14 i think something like that who was brilliant he taught history and geography and what he did was he actually combined the two classes to show how much history and geography overlapped. You know, the landscape of a region influenced, you know, sometimes how people viewed the world, 
you know, if, if you controlled oil reserves, you you had a certain view of it as opposed to people who had lived on the very barren, etc. So it, it, and it was it was so interesting for that year. I found myself really inspired by this kind of this view of 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 these two subjects. Well, that, that really makes sense because things aren't sort of fitted into neat little categories, are they? You know, Absolutely. So, so I really, I mean, I know we've already discussed home education, but, um, you know, th- this is what we found straight away in our experience of home education is that, that things do overlap and they combine, you know. Yeah. So, so to have, right, maths is totally separate from everything else and geography is totally separate from everything else actually makes no sense to me at all. No, be, because it is all interconnected. You, yeah. you, know, you, you use your maths when you're going down the supermarket to check you're not being diddled by the computer system because it's not going wrong. You you, you use your ge- geography skills when you're when you're out in the local area looking at the clouds with your, with your small child and you're talking about the rain clouds. Yeah. You know, it's everywhere. And... and do you know, for that for that year, I can remember that a, a, a slow dawn in my brain going, hold on, this is all connected, isn't it? In, in a way that I don't think I'd ever really thought about before. And I think that helped me. But then the following year, I got put into a different teacher's history class and she didn't teach like that. History is history, geography is geography. We teach them separately. Um, and she was... I hate to say it because I feel I feel a little bit bad for her, but she was universally disliked by the by the student body, at least as much as I know. You, mm. you know the the class I was in that I was now in absolutely disliked her. Yeah, they were disengaged from her. They were disinterested in what she'd got to say. She was disinterested in making the subject anything other than just dry. And I went from an A from, from an A student in the class to a C student because I disengaged. You know, yeah, I shut down. I wasn't interested anymore in being taught by a dry teacher who made it dry and boring and dull. You know, mm-hmm. and and I didn't have the imagination maybe at the time I was fourteen, fifteen to look, go out and know where to look to make it interesting again. You know, I, I relied on my teacher to do that for me, to inspire my imagination. And she, I have to say, she failed miserably. Um, yeah, I, th- I think um, actually I'm I'm pleased in lots of ways that I didn't know I was dyspraxic. I'd never even heard of dyspraxia when I was at school. Yeah. So I'm pleased in lots of ways because it means I haven't placed any limitations on myself because of it. So, um for example, if I'd known I was dyspraxic, I probably would never have attempted to learn to drive. You know, and I've been driving for years now and um, and things like that. But um, it would have been helpful in the school setting. <laughs> yeah. It would have been very helpful if, if not only if I hadn't only known about it, but if there'd been support, some level of support in place. So I think that had a, a massive barrier. I mean, you know, it just wasn't known about back in those days it really wasn't and I think we're still finding that there's quite a lot of frustration around um finding out if somebody's dyspraxic never mind finding support for them in an education setting but um but I have to say that in spite of what I perceive as the difficult (laughs) education or experience of education I had certainly in secondary school that um, adult education is a completely different kettle of fish because oh. 
Yeah. You're in a, a much better position then. You know, you're treated more as an equal for a start and and you can also learn on your terms, you know, because I found that in um, an education, an adult education setting, I'm quite happy to say, uh, right, I'm not very good at note-taking. It's a difficult one for me because I'm dyspraxic. So is there any possibility I could have handouts, preferably in advance, please? Mm. And I find that people are a lot more inclined to be supportive nowadays. Agreed. Agreed. And also, I, I think adult education, I think that's, adult education, it, it, it should be seen as more than just um, knitting and flower arranging. Oh, Definitely. <laughs> I'm not, there's nothing wrong with those things. Please don't think I'm saying that. If people want to learn that education, absolutely fine. But, you know, why, why don't we, if, if we say to people, we support learning as a society throughout our entire adult lives, why aren't we offering an adult education that offers a blooming great big range of, of options far bigger than it currently does? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I went to, I did, what did I do? I did a bit, BSL, British Sign Language, um, levels one and two at uh, adult education. Of course, it was back in 20, by the time of the Olympics came to London, so what, about 2012, that kind of time. Did that over two years, you know. I, I was, I was, one point, I was doing two evenings a week of, of BSL. And do you know, it was great. That, that, those two years, when I did those two years of, of learning, absolutely fantastic. You know, it was, it was, it was cheap. I didn't didn't break the bank. It was interesting. I met new people in the classes. Um, I learned a new skill. I did it at a time when it was convenient to me. It was fascinating. I loved going to adult ed. It was. I, I wish there was more of it. I wish it was this more in the consciousness that you know it's okay to learn when you're forty seven or thirty two or whatever well, it is. Truth is, we never stop learning, do we? No, we don't. So no, we, we don't. To... And but but it, it's it's when when did we come across this idea that as soon as you leave school, like for, formal education at sixteen or eighteen or whenever it is these days, that's it. You never go back to school. Yeah. Never, that, 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 that's the end of your education. When, when did we as a society kind of agree to that? Yeah, I'm not getting political. I'm not saying it's anyone political party. We we've all probably social society wise we've been guilty of that generally. I don't, you know, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I love learning and I think it's, I heard um, Jerry Sandy Toxvig. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, she's she's a polymath in herself. I, I, find, I literally promised you yesterday, I was listening to an interview by Sandy Toxvig, Sandy Toxvig, and she was, she's Danish by by birth, although you wouldn't think it from her accent. In in Denmark, she was saying, there is a uh, a culture of lifelong learning you know, where, where their adult education is progressive and varied and huge. <laughs> it's part of the culture. And you, you, you leave school at 16 or 18, a couple of years later, oh, I'll, I'll go and do a course. I'll go yeah. and do this. It's great. Fantastic. Yeah. I did, because um, I've, I've taken all manner of courses <laughs> since adulthood, you know, mm. make up for my miserable schooling. <laughs> But um, but I've taken all sorts, and obviously the hypnotherapy related ones and mm. um, psychology. I've, I've got half of an open university degree in psychology. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but that 
I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, that did get a bit expensive, so that's why I didn't complete it. But I got um, the Social Sciences Foundation and um, Educational Psychology, Social Psychology and Cognitive Psychology. And I got good pass marks in all of those, so it's not as though I, I sort of dropped out totally. You know, I did pass all of the exams okay, but, um, but it did get a bit expensive. And so I didn't carry on. I had... I mean, I wanted the, psych- the um, cognitive psychology especially, but I was just interested in those subjects that they had available. So I made a point of doing those, the ones I really wanted. And um, but I've I've done all sorts. Of, I've got all sorts of qualifications in computing, web design, and goodness knows what. But that's really moving forwards at a fast rate, and it's not something that I wanted to pursue. I just wanted to be able to build my own websites, not not to become a web site building you know, it wasn't wasn't my yeah. or anything but, but, but that in itself you know to be able to just go oh, i just want to do that for myself for that mm. for that window in time for that one specific thing if nothing wrong with that at all you know and that's that sort of thing we should be using sort of the edu- education system for more preparing us for real life yeah definitely definitely and i do hope that people children and young adults in school who are dyspraxic in particular, I do hope that they're getting better support than we did. Yes, I agree. I, I yes, I I, I hope I hope so. I, I hope I hope they it's identified earlier. I hope they're not written off because they're dyspraxic, and I hope they're given the opportunity to achieve everything they're allow able to do by the provision of just basic human needs. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. Well, that's what it should be all, all about. Oh, listen to me, I'm getting my high horse. Stop, <laughs> stop me. Right. No, I'm not going to stop you. You're right. I agree. <laughs> so uh, so let's hope that there's hope for the future. I hope so. Makes sense. There were two hopes in that sentence, but hey. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Hope is good. Pandora's box kept hoping. So that's, that's always what we like. <laughs> too right though so, but there is always adult education such as it is but i think the fact that we're learning anyway it's almost our experience of school is almost irrelevant i think to some of us you know because we still carry on developing we still carry on learning and we can do so on our own terms agreed so Definitely. on that happy note, that is <laughs> brilliant note. so it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from her Bye. Bye.